Welcome to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber of the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is committed to preaching the Word of God and invites you to join them for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night service at 6.30. Now, here's Pastor Phil Barber with today's message. And when you read Daniel 7 through 12, you're going to read about an antichrist that is going to wear the people of God out. It says that in one translation. Just because there's a rapture doesn't mean that they're not going to be testing trials. That the spirit of the Antichrist is going to put the world through and put the church through. Before Israel marched out of Egypt, Pharaoh, who is a type of the Antichrist, put those people through a horrible, horrible time. Daniel will read chapter 7, 8, and 9. And what he reads in those chapters makes him so sick and weak that he's overcome by what God has showed him the Antichrist will do to the people of God and his people. In chapters 10 and 11, God will strengthen him, lift him up, because what he has seen is just overwhelming. And then chapter 12 closes with a great promise that Daniel... In the last days, you will stand in your allotted place. You will overcome. What we're studying is to help you. What we're preaching is to help you gird yourself up for what we are about to go through in these last days. So I've split the sermon up because what the Lord gave me was important. Daniel, the protected pilgrim in a strange land. Subtitle, Courageous Faith in Turbulent Times. Daniel, the protected pilgrim in a strange land. And the text is Daniel 6, verse 20. And of course, we'll look at the other verses that are around it. Daniel in the lion's den is one of the most familiar stories in the Bible. Let's read verse 20 of Daniel 6, okay? This is speaking of Darius. As Darius came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Now our theme for this Passage of scriptures, and I know you're probably tired of hearing, but it is, no matter the circumstances, God is in control, so we should remain, so I should remain faithful. No matter the circumstances, God is in control, so I should remain faithful. You probably could say, no matter the circumstances, God is faithful, so I should remain faithful. Hey, let's say that together, okay? We're going to just say it with the first person this week. Say it with me. No matter the circumstances, God is in control, so I should remain faithful. Hopefully, we're learning what the book of Daniel is all about. It is a book that is devoted to the glory of God. It was written during one of the darkest times in the history of Israel, Israel, the seven-year exile in Babylon. 
It was a time when various world powers came in and out of control. And yet God leaves no doubt regarding who really is in control. It is God, we learn, who sets up rulers and who brings them down. And the objective of all that God has done and is doing and will do is that he and he alone will receive the glory. Thus far in this book, we have seen God teach very dramatic lessons to two of its world's leaders. In chapters 2 through 4, Nebuchadnezzar learns that God is in control. In chapter 5, Belshazzar learns that God is in control. And this morning, a third world ruler, Darius or Cyrus, is going to learn that God is in control. From the story of Daniel, we learn that the relationship, that his relationship with God was more important than his relationship to the king. We learn that worship is first and work is second. We have learned heaven is first and the world is second. We have learned that the laws of God supersede the laws of man. Of course, we're learning that no man is God or that there is only one God and it's Yahweh, the God of heaven. We have learned from this narrative that when you walk with God, that God walks with you. When you walk with God, God walks with you. And I'd like for you to say that with me too, okay? Let's say it. When you walk with God, God walks with you. And that's what we learn in the book of Daniel. One other preacher said, and I like this, when we also learn that when God shows up, God shows off. And so we're going to see God showing off a little bit today in this story. My first outline, and I want to share it with you because I think it is important to hear it. Is, you could sum it up this way, and I've changed the outline, but I thought this was good. What, we, what you see in the story is that God protected Daniel from the lies of men. Number two, God protected Daniel from the laws of men. And number three, God protected Daniel from the lions. And so God will protect Daniel from the lies of men. God will protect Daniel from the laws of men. And God will protect Daniel from the laws, lions. Now, there are some people I want us to look at in this passage of Scripture. And time will not permit us to look at all of them, so we'll do uh, three or four of the day, and then we'll do three or four next week. And a couple of the people that's in this story are unseen. But the first person we will look at is Darius, the ruler, the king. And the question I have about Darius is, is he a god or is he a man? Let me give you a little background. and you, We'll cover it again, but let's cover the background. The meat. Persian Empire has conquered the Babylonians, and now it is time to set the kingdom up. And setting the kingdom up, Darius has decided to put 120 governors over 120 provinces. And over those 120 provinces or governors, he's going to put three presidents over them. And lo and behold, it's an amazing act of God that Daniel, who served in the last empire, has been chosen to be one of those three presidents. 
So those three presidents are going to probably serve over 40 governors each. And the reason this is being done is the kingdom has been conquered, but the first reason is to make sure there's no rebellion. Everything can be in control. The second reason, the main reason is, is protect the wealth of the king. To make sure that the the taxes that are going to be collected will go to the treasury of the empire. While this is being done, Daniel is so distinguished that Cyrus, Darius, decides to elevate Daniel above the two presidents and the 120 governors. This so outrages the 122 because now this is going to bring death to their plans of enriching themselves as they tax the people. So they Google, they hire private detectives, and they to find a fault in Daniel. They come to the unanimous decision that there is nothing wrong with Daniel's life. There is no way they can bring a charge against him. But there was something they noticed that he was faithful to his God. And so they thought, well, if we're going to find a fault in him, we need to find it in his relationship with God. And so... They flattered Darius, Cyrus, and said, Hey, king, we think you're so great that you ought to declare yourself God for 30 days. And in these 30 days, no one can pray to another God or petition another man except you. And Darius says, is deceived and he signs the law. It's a rose garden ceremony, no doubt. Daniel is there and we're told that as soon as a document is signed that Daniel goes off to pray and they watch him. They must have watched him several days as implied in that text, but when they are sure that Daniel is praying to his God, they bring charges against him. And so they now come to Darius and say, you know, that exile, that Jew is not obeying the law. He is not being faithful to you. And Darius is taken by surprise because his most loyal servant is now charged with a crime. And the crime says, the punishment for the crime is death. So the question I ask, is Darius God or is man? And what we learned, first of all, that he was powerless. They had declared him to be God for 30 days. He had signed an edict which declared that no one could pray to anybody else or petition anyone else except the king. As if the king could really answer prayer or even speak for the gods or even persuade the gods to act in a certain way. But Darius discovers that he has acted in a foolish way and he has put his favorite best bureaucrat in danger of his life and Darius is powerless to extricate Daniel or himself from the mess his vanity and stupidity had created he spent the entire day looking for a loophole so he could save Daniel And after spending the entire day, he found out that there was nothing he could do 
any way he thought. You'll find out later in the book of Esther that that king put aside the law, but this king could not. And you say, why could he not? First of all, he didn't want to lose face. It's a new empire. It's a new region that they are trying to bring under control and under power. And he doesn't want to look weak. And so to save face, to save himself, to prevent a rebellion, and not to show weakness, he has no choice but to throw Daniel into the lion's den. His stupid decision has revealed that he is not a god, but that he is a man who has been doped and fooled. And he is unable to get his way. Who I mean, Darius is unable to get his way. Now think about this for a moment. Yahweh, our God, the God of the Bible, who does what he pleases in heaven and on earth, Man's laws, no problem for God. Man's lies, no problem for God. Starving lions, no problem for God. But for Darius, all those things were problems. What we've seen so far, as we get to this chapter, we'll see that God is always able to deliver his people, whereas Darius was powerless to deliver Daniel. God is one who can deliver you and me out of every circumstance, no matter how seemingly impossible. And this looks impossible, what we're going to learn today. And Darius will come to the place where he acknowledges that God is sovereign, that God rules, that God is in control, and that he can do whatever he wishes, whenever he wishes, however he wishes. And eventually, what is so great about this chapter, and we'll look at it next week, is that the pagan monarch, bows and confesses that the God of heaven is sovereign and that he is in control. But not only is Daniel, not only is Darius powerless, he is restless. Boy, the irony is thick in this story. Daniel will sleep the entire night through, but Darius will not find any sleep because he's worried about Daniel. Verse 18 tells us, Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions. NIV says no entertainment were brought to him. And sleep fled from him. No doubt, the enemies of Daniel, the lords of Darius, are out having a party. They're having a good time. The band's playing. The alcohol's flowing. The drugs are there. The women are there. They're having a great time because they have have gotten rid of Daniel. And you know what they're also doing? They're counting their money. They're spending their money. I mean, they haven't got it yet, but you know how it is. You talk to anyone who buys a lottery ticket when it's about $500 billion, and you ask, do you think about what you might do when you get that $500 billion? They all do. We all do. People do. They say, how are they going to spend it? How are they going to divide it up? How they're going to give it to the kids? How they're going to give it to grandkids? They got this is what these guys are doing, but not Darius. There's no food. There's no partying. There's no music. There's no women. He's in his bedroom, realizing he's been played, and it's cost him his most loyal friend. You know what, you know what Darius is doing? 
He is waiting for the sun to peek up over the horizon so he can run to the den to see if Daniel is alive. Like Mary Magdalene and the other Mary in Matthew 28, 11, Darius goes to the tomb. They went to the tomb of Jesus. Went to the tomb at the break of dawn where he was sure the tomb had now become the grave for Daniel. Because Daniel has spent the night with starving lions. Again, let me read verse 20. He has, uh, Darius runs, he has this stone rolled away that's over the mouth of of the lion's den. He grabs a torch, he waves it inside that torch and he cries out, Oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, I wonder if they'd say that about you in your trouble. Would they call you servant of the living God? Would people know you serve the living God? Would they say your God? Has your God whom you serve continually, do you serve him continually? Anyway, he says, been able to deliver you from the lions. The doubt in Darius' voice is unmistakable. He did not expect to hear anything but satisfied purring Lions who are just filled to their gut with Daniel. He knows that God is a living God, but he doesn't know if God is able to deliver. And he's about to find out. And so the second person in the story is Daniel. And the question I have is devoured or delivered? Was Daniel devoured or was he delivered? In verse 21 and 22, reveal the answer. Then Daniel spoke to the king. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me, inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you. O king, I have committed no crime. These are the only words of Daniel recorded in this entire chapter. Something we'll look at next week. But I'd like to play with this phrase just a little bit if I could. Probably what Daniel, Daniel could have said, good morning, my king. <laughs> I hope things are going well with you and that you enjoyed a good night's sleep. I did. I slept like a little lamb with your lions as my guests. Their quiet purring worked as a white noise for me and they put me right to sleep and then I cuddled up to them and their warm bodies and fur kept me warm all night. Such sweet cats. My wife would not believe that. No cat sweet. Also, I had a I had a guest show up last night. I wasn't by myself. My God sent his angel to be with me. And he shut the lion's mouths. Well, they didn't come up and lick me or smell me. Now no harm's been done to me. Not one gray hair on my head has been touched. Of course, you should know the reason. I honored my king and I never did anything wrong to you. I honored my God and I never did anything wrong to you. I put the whole situation in the hands of my God and this is what he did. I trusted him either way and I will continue to do so as long as I live. Now, would you like to come down and join me? Listen, Daniel's not claiming to be sinless. He's not claiming that he's never done anything wrong. 
But he's saying that he has served God. He has served God in crisis, and he served God when everything was going okay. He's saying, I've chosen God, and I am innocent before him. He's saying, I didn't do anything wrong in this circumstance before God. And furthermore, king, O King, I didn't do anything wrong to you. Your henchmen, these bureaucrats, have accused me of not having respect to you. And nothing could be further from the truth. But no one has precedent over my life except my God. Therefore, I've done nothing wrong to him. And I have done nothing wrong to you. The answer to Darius' question is, is was your God able to deliver you? The answer apparently is, God is able. Amen. This is one of the greatest deliverances in the Bible. But it is a reminder and should always remind us that God is able to do whatever he wishes whenever he wants. And that includes from what we've learned in the book of Daniel that God can deliver from the flame as he did in Daniel chapter 3. And God can deliver from the lion as he did here in chapter 6. God is able. Hey, say that with me. God is able. Okay, he is. So we've looked at Darius, God or man, and we know that he is not God, but he's just a man. We looked at Daniel, devoured or delivered, and he was not devoured, but he was delivered. Now I want to look at the lions, tamed or untamed. Well, we know these, we know these lions are tamed. But for you, I want to ask this question. What are the lions that you are facing today? What are the savage lions that you may be facing of course, none of us have been thrown literally into a den of lions. But we all face lions in our lives. The pressures of life, circumstances, and situations that threaten to consume us, to hurt us. We know from First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8 that the lion goes about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That means he is looking even at you and you and you and you. I've read that one of the most terrifying sounds in the jungle is the roar of a lion. I went out to visit my family one winter and my brothers, two of my brothers wanted to go coyote hunting. And uh, we're going to go out at night. We had a a light spotlight and we had rabbit call uh, a coyote calls which is the sound of a rabbit that is dying that's caught in a trap or something to draw those uh, coyotes up and it's pitch black i'll tell you just pitch black and we're up against some big boulders and uh, just waiting and there's this roar and it's a mini mini version of a line it was a cougar and I didn't really realize what it was. I turned to my brother and said, what is that? And he said, well, that's a cougar. And I said, well, you know, he's above us. He said, yeah. And he said, well, yeah, he's up there somewhere. I said, I'm going to the truck. <laughs> it, it scared me. Well, I, let me tell you what. There's nothing like hearing the roar of a lion. And sometimes the lion roars in our lives. And it brings fear and doubt into our hearts. But we must remember that the bark of the devil is not 
is the only thing he can do. That his bark is worse than his bite. Because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior on the cross at Calvary, has rendered the devil toothless and clawless. But some of us are still frightened by the devil. The devil wants to scare you. But you must remember, according to 1 John chapter 5, that he cannot touch you. You don't have to be afraid of the devil either. Just be aware that he's out there roaring. Those lions that are threatening, and they're huge, can be overcome, and can be defeated. Perhaps right now you're in the lion's den of relational lions. Some people go through tough divorces. Some people are in tough marriages. Some people are having trouble with a friend. Some people are having a crisis with a teenager. What we learn here is that God is with you in the lion's den. It is wrong to think that you're going to get out, avoid it. Life is filled with lion's dens that we all pass through. Some of you may be in the pit this morning with a financial lion. You got a bill to pay and you don't have the money. You don't know what you're going to do and where you're going to turn and it's threatening to devour you. Some of you are facing physical lions. You've gotten a bad diagnosis or you've got a nagging health problem and the doctors don't know what to do. Or you've got a situation coming up and you're hoping the doctors have an answer. They have a solution. And the unknown of what's laying before you is roaring before you and you seem you feel like you're going to be devoured. Whatever line you're facing, and you can name your line, and I would encourage you to name your lion, lion right now. But whatever lion's roaring, whatever den you're in, I'd like to ask you, do you have the peace of Daniel or the torment of Darius? Darius spent the night in a plush bedroom in the castle of the Mede Persian Empire, and Daniel spent the night in a dungeon. Darius had his own lions to fight that night, the lion of conscience, the lion of guilt, the lion of pride, the lion of accusation, and he didn't sleep a wink. But Daniel did. What's the difference? The difference was Daniel knew the real king. Not the king of beasts, but the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is really called or known as the Prince of Peace. So here's Daniel asleep comfortably in the midst of pressure. While Darius spends the whole night fighting his own personal lions. Which which scene best describes your life right now? There are going to be lions. And you may be in the pit with them. You may be about to be thrown in the pit with them. Make sure that you get in touch with the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of the lions, the master of the lions. And he will give you peace in the midst of pressure. Jesus said, I've spoken these words unto you so that in me you might have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I have 
overcome the world. Can I say it this way? I have dominated the world. I have shut the world's mouth. Thank you for listening to Sermons from Silver Moon with Pastor Phil Barber. To find out more about today's message, you may contact the Silver Moon Full Gospel Church at 417-472-3360. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church is located on Highway 59 North between Neosho and Diamond, Missouri. Morning worship is at 10 a.m. with a Wednesday night service at 6.30 p.m. The Silver Moon Full Gospel Church, where the distance is worth the difference.